0: Most of you have seen your favorite fictional characters pigeonholed into a chart of the nine alignments. Obi-Wan is lawful good, Treebeard is true neutral, the Joker is chaotic evil. Obviously, that grid was popularized by D&D, but you may not know that it wasn't originally part of D&D. We'll discuss that, as well as how alignment fits into gameplay, today on Dungeons and Tangents. <music> All right, here we are doing the thing that we do uh, with myself, Eric,
1: Robert Sherman, Ben Krikenberger.
0: And this time we're talking about alignment. Uh, Everybody's like pretty much everybody on earth now understands the nine grid of alignment, but it hasn't always been like that and not everybody seems to fully understand how it Actually works, um, and everybody has a little bit different opinions about how it works and how it interacts with character development and um, how you play a character. But before that, I'm going to get into a little bit of the history of D and D's, uh, how D and D started to use alignment, and um, I was a little surprised about this. So, first edition. Take back in me. 1974, what? She's saying, take us back, Eric. Take, I'm taking it back. <laughs> <laughs> in in 1974, uh, when D and D was first published, there was a single axis, and that axis was law and chaos, and that was it. Uh, there wasn't there wasn't uh, the other axis, the evil and good. It was just law and chaos, and those weren't treated as. Um, alignments so much they were like your religion almost. You were either you believed in the in the the religion of law or you believed in the religion of chaos. It was kind of a, a weird way of of thinking about things back then. <clears throat> uh, but in 1976, two years later, Gary Gygax published in the Strategic Review, which was a precursor to Dragon Magazine, uh, the Two Axis axis system with good and evil law and chaos on the two axes. Uh, but it was I mean the strategic review was sort of a it's a supplementary publication they would just publish stuff and you could use it in your game if you like but you didn't have to. And it wasn't until 1977 when Advanced D&D was published that they first actually put that into the rule books, the concept of good, evil, law, chaos And since then, it's been obviously uh, not really a core part, but it's been a part of the rules since then. But all of that came from two authors. And I know jack shit about these two authors. I don't know if either of you do. Uh, Michael Moorcock and Paul, P-O-U-L, Anderson. Apparently both of them had some elements of these, like, law, chaos, good, evil Hmm. alignment grids in their writings. They were sci fi and fantasy authors in the fifties, sixties, seventies.
1: I am unfamiliar.
0: Ditto. Anyway, so that that is like I practically I just read some Wikipedias, I read the strategic review. Uh, I I I learned things, but apparently not enough.
1: So exactly what is it about alignment that you think that we should discuss?
0: Well it freaking, like it comes up all the time as uh, that 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 meme where everybody's like, you know, true like trying to shove people into certain alignments. Right. You got the whole Game of Thrones. Yeah, all of yes. the, their characters like, oh, chaotic evil. That's uh, Tyrion. Uh, yeah. They did the same thing with like Batman and stuff yeah. like
2: that too. Like gotcha.
0: Every every uh, every universe has its alignment grid. But it's, um, like you said, you're shoving the characters into yeah, it. Yeah, I, I personally don't like alignment. And, I, <coughs> like, the I started
2: on uh, D&D 3.5, and I felt like it was really restrictive. Because, you know, certain What's classes that? have to be a certain alignment. And if you fall out of that alignment, you can't
0: be that class anymore. Was that the one where, like, you had to be lawful good to be a paladin? Yeah. Yeah. Okay.
2: The same went be, for, like, monk. Um,
0: oh. Or you had to be chaotic
1: for a barbarian. Barbarian, yeah. yeah. Oh. And that has very serious mechanical impact in that you can't multi class as barbarian and paladin. Right? Oh, right. And for that for I mean, me, that... I kinda like that in that well, you know, give me a circumstance where you would be a barbarian and a paladin. Right? <laughs> I, I get <laughs> well, why I that would be. A fact.
2: I feel like they should just restrict that via the story though, and not necessarily like a mechanic that has you know well, that tells you how you're supposed to act. That makes
1: sense, but that, that also goes back to the idea that if it's going to be more fun, DM signs off on it. Then screw the rule, let yeah. it happen, right? Which I mean, I'm sure happened. These at 2.5. are more. I consider the rules to be more guidelines than anything else, mm-hmm. which I think yes. is something that most people do. But they did kind of just drop that overall like thing. Don't need those requirements anymore. I I feel like I get very confused sometimes as far as what should and shouldn't fall into an alignment, mm-hmm. and I almost feel like it's. A little scary if somebody can step out of themselves so, so completely that they can fully adhere to an alignment for a character without letting themselves bleed into it a little bit, you know, or just play whatever they think of themselves all the time, right? So,
2: I mean, I feel like alignment is a good guideline when you first made your character to figure out how he's supposed to act, but it's impossible to fully fall into it. I don't, I don't like that. There's mechanical issues with it though at least in, like i didn't like that in 3.5 but like you said it's a guideline
1: um rather
2: than a strict
1: yeah. rule I, mean, I like it at times and i don't i like the idea of alignment change penalties and so far as that there are consequences to do something that's so counter to your character but at the same time given circumstances given the emotional state of your character you're going to do things that might be out of character, right? You know, just like any any person who might not do something regularly, you know, given circumstances, they might. Like, I like to consider myself a very pleasant person. <laughs> <laughs> you get me behind the wheel of a car and put me in traffic, and I start screaming nonstop. So, you know, the, there are contextual considerations, for that too and can you can you put somebody in this bucket and that their character lives in that bucket for the rest of the life of that character that seems a little unreasonable to me yeah
2: well, I mean, and, you know, sometimes the idea is that you're supposed to fall out of that bucket, but by restricting that with certain classes, that made it a little bit weird. But all of the classes that didn't have those alignment restrictions, you know, you could go from somebody who wasn't chaotic to slowly becoming chaotic over the story of the game, and then you could become a barbarian if you wanted to. So, that, so, if so it can help guide... The story,
0: but
1: and I think there's, you know, like, for the example, given my my proclivities towards road raging, I probably shouldn't drive a school bus, right? So <laughs> I can see how you know class might be restricted by alignment, um, but you it should be able to use your judgment, right? So school bus driver is is a is a class now. It mean, won't. Well, I think of class as occupation. Okay, that's reasonable. You know, write it up. Put it on uh, the DM guild and see how it goes.
0: Uh, so I've always struggled with alignment in so much as I will write down, like, lawful good. And then I feel restricted. Like, I feel like I can't play the character anything other than that. Yeah. and And maybe I don't fully understand the character well enough to, like just writing lawful good on a a sheet of paper and a name of a character and it's like, uh, here are the stats, that doesn't really tell me a lot about how that character deals with the situation. It just says that they will follow the law and generally be good. But everybody thinks, everybody thinks they're doing good. Yeah, I... So
2: how do you... That's so. The I, I like the idea of having like character aspects of your character instead of strict alignments to help define what your character is supposed to be. Um, that's that's like a huge appeal to me of why I wanted to play like the Fate, fate rule system yeah. because like your character is defined by the aspects, and those aspects are also part of the mechanics of the game. Right. So like it helps you tie your character together both mechanically and story-wise and you can basically sum up your character in a few sentences that are the mechanics for the game
0: which it feels a little bit like in fifth edition they're trying to i don't know if they're trying to distance themselves from alignment but the um the flaws bonds ideals and
2: like backgrounds yeah that
0: whole background section yeah seems to be kind of telling people hey Take a shot at like actually building a character background yeah. at at making there be a, hey, a set of motivations for this character beyond just they will strictly always be the good guy and they will always follow the law like yeah. that's, oh hey you're you're not just a lawful good
2: paladin you, you like have a reason to be a lawful good paladin. Like right. you, you want to do this right thing because of this thing in your past or right. because, you know, you care about the underdogs, you know? Um,
0: yeah, it's good to have your parents got killed and somehow you've channeled that into being a paladin. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it helps
2: us. It helps us with you creating your character background, which I like that.
0: And that's more, like I mean, it's similar to Fate in so much as it's asking you to think about motivations and parts of your character, like, flaws and uh, reasoning behind what your character does, not just a mechanical axie. Yeah, and and there are other games that do that, too, other rule
2: systems. Like, I've played uh, Torchbearer... where that'll have traits listed that you can use to get mechanical, uh, benefits. Yeah. It usually requires you to hurt yourself in order to get those benefits. Um, you're kind of working against yourself. That's masochistic, but whatever. Yeah, <laughs> yeah You're kind of working against yourself in order to get the benefits from your trait. But I mean, that's okay. kind of the idea behind having flaws and stuff. And then, yeah. uh, Savage worlds they have things like that too, where um, you take you take a certain number of flaws that give you certain mechanical negatives, but they help you define your character too, and you can even take like more of them in order to take more benefits
0: that i don't know that that just it feels like d and d's alignment is is a very um antiquated system of trying to tell people how to um, how to add depth to your character?
1: I, don't know. I think it depends on, on on how you approach it. So, if for fifth edition, I think that they're not don't think they're trying to move away from alignment. It feels like they're trying to to lean into storytelling. Mm-hmm. To give you more tools to do storytelling, and then one of those is to not say alignment isn't is important. It can still be helpful to storytelling, but it's not as restrictive as it was in previous editions. So uh, to Eric's point, he he puts lawful good down on the character sheet, and all of a sudden he feels like he's in a box, right? And he can't yeah. do certain things. I put lawful good on the character sheet. The first thing is, okay, well, how can I use it to fuck with the other people in the park? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So I, it, it, do, you, do you see it as something that kind of fences you in or do you see as a jumping off point right like there's the, another perspective you know, though the, the backgrounds that you mentioned right yeah. there's one for a performer or an entertainer I used it for my last character and it, it cites things like oh, yeah. you're the kind of person who you know entertains at a tavern etc 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 there was a variant for gladiator but I didn't take that as meaning that okay well I can't go adventuring I'm, I am I, do tavern stuff like you know, <laughs> it, it gave me some idea for flavor for my character but it wasn't restrictive right so if, if ideally I'm lawful good that's great but that doesn't mean that I have to base every single choice off of that. I might add more depth to my character by going against my alignment because I'm faced with a choice that I'm not sure which is the right path to go down, right? So the fact that I did something that's not in character or characteristic of my alignment might add a little bit of depth to me because I I stretched that that fenced-in area, if you will. what were you going to say, Eric? Well, the other perspective on this is I think Matt Covell
0: preaches this which is that alignment is not the origin, it is a reflection. So you don't pick your alignment, you play your character, and then you, through your actions, you can say, well, I killed this village of innocent people, and then I um, prayed for three days to an evil god. I'm probably uh, lawful evil. And it's, I'm probably lawful evil. That that last sentence is 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 where the, the perspective is different.
2: You don't it's choose your, your
0: alignment. Right. Your alignment chooses you. Exactly. It's just like Ollivanders. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, I could see that. But then there's the perspective from which you view those actions, right? Because with, well, sure. with that in mind, every kind of, you know... Murderous PC ever played before is just flat out evil, even if yep. <laughs> you know, try to play them as good. Which, and, and I'm not saying that this is wrong, it could be very right that's the case, because this is probably a little evil. It's going and he's chaotic good, he just didn't know any better. Indiscriminately slaughter a family of goblins, right? You know, but um, you, you have to. I think that one of the biggest things in that action is intent. What was the intent behind those actions?
0: Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm cool with that, but I still think that that perspective is valid in that you could still say my intent was to stop this elder god from destroying the world by slaughtering in tribute to them this entire village and then praying to them. And I'm keeping them at bay. So I'm lawful good. I just happen to go about it in a weird way.
1: I could see that. that <laughs> but I think that also adds to the story in that if you have somebody who's lawful good, who honestly believes that they're doing what needs to be done for the greater good, and they're doing truly despicable things, like, that could add to your story, right? Yeah. Um, that could very easily get your PC turned into a an, an NPC villain, get your character taken Yeah, like, that could be, you know... You start out with four level one characters, and then you know, two years later, you've got a bunch of level sevens. And one of those characters that you adventured with for two years is now the force that you're trying to defeat to prevent the end (laughs) of the world, right? And that's that's honestly a game that I'd be pretty interested in playing because that would have a lot of backstory to it.
2: Well, I mean, wasn't our last game kind of going that way with you? Yeah. Were you uh, you You broke the door? I suppose so. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah, he had to be stopped. The door, no, uh, Elio's.
0: Oh, Elio's. Okay, that was, that was a game before.
1: Yeah, yeah. So he seemed like a good, good guy.
0: <laughs> seemed like a good guy, except for for the, all I know, he saved everybody. I don't know.
1: <laughs> except for the forty NPCs he killed up to that point. Yeah. And, and acquiring they, the uh, what was it, the the book of vile darkness. The book of
2: vile darkness. <laughs> Hey, what the paladin doesn't see, he can't stop, all
0: right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see here. Oh, right. One other kind of weird aspect to d d is that in the rules, there are objects and spells that can change your alignment. Still, even in 5th edition. I could see that in 3.5 because... Mm-hmm. They were restrictive about right. alignment. And but they still have things like if you hold on to the Book of Vile Darkness for however long,
1: you will be changed to Lawful Evil. So I, I have serious concerns about those mechanics because I think they're really fun when a PC does something like that to an NPC and then it challenges the DM mm. to, okay, well, one of the, you know, 80. Characters I have to play. I have to be. I have to, it shakes me up a little bit. Makes me improvise and all that. Um, I think it's. It has been done very, very carefully as a DM if you're going to do to a player because you are fundamentally changing against the, uh, since it wasn't their choice yeah. the one character they get to play
2: yeah it needs to be it's a true. discussion I feel like beforehand yeah. like, like mm-hmm. if it's the player's idea and they say oh I want to slowly become evil can we do that somehow
1: yeah I think it could be a bunch of fun um, done well and as a collaborative kind of a storytelling thing mm-hmm. and I think it could be a very effective way to completely kill the fun a player is having yeah if used uh, improperly
0: yeah it's not like it's not a lot of uh, there aren't a lot of ch- like objects or sp- or mm-hmm. things within the rules that will do that. But when I come across them, I'm always like, "That seems
1: wrong." Well, it's, it goes back to what <clears throat> we were talking about with Matthew Colville's thing about make sure your players have a sense of agency. Mm-hmm. And and I think most people think of that as you know they need to feel like they have some kind of power over how they affect the world. Right. And imagine if they don't even have power over like their own alignment. Yeah. They're going to immediately feel like, well, why should I play?
0: Right. Then it's, it's not just, and if you think of alignment as your motivation for your choices Mm -hmm. or your, the box in which you can make choices, then yeah, it's, it's saying you are now restricted to doing things that
1: me, the DM told you, you can and can't do. Or if I think probably the worst case scenario, if you think of your alignment that it's something that, at a basic level, fundamentally drives the actions of your character, and it gets reduced down to a value on a sheet. <laughs> right. <laughs> You've immediately turned into a board game. Yeah. That's
0: I, that's, I I almost think that characters just shouldn't even have alignments. Like, why bother?
1: I mean, well, I don't know. It's, I think it's kind of like hair color and eye color. A lot of people don't even fill that out on their character sheet, right? It's There's it's a little spot out. there, but... Uh, yeah, or, or I mean, wait I don't follow my weight. I should because that's for traps and stuff. That could be super important. But... Oh, Go I mean, on, well, I mean for D
2: anD D, there there's spells and abilities that affect it. So you can't really not have it at all. You know, like you can't. It's hard for you know. There's detect evil and you yeah, know, true. detect alignment. um so sometimes it's useful when you're trying to determine if somebody's actually like a secret demon or something.
1: Yeah. I, w- I would say that it comes back to what almost every single other thing that we talked about like this comes back to. And that is use it when it adds to the enjoyment of the game and don't worry about it if it's going to make things less fun.
0: Yeah, that that makes perfect sense. I think me as a DM, I'm going to steer clear of almost everything that uses it as a as a mechanic because it feels um, I guess because I personally like a little more gritty reality version of D&D rather than the high fantasy um, everybody's fairies or demons
1: and there's spells that use it and all that and that can easily be um, accommodated like if somebody's doing sense evil on you right and there's a I think there's a bunch of rules as far as like how long you use it like the more you can tell I just say you know, you're, you're seriously creeped out by this person. You know, right. you, you don't yeah. have to boil it yeah. down to what they one are of those, evil. Yeah. yeah. Done. And it could just well, be what kind of evil. I don't know. Spend another round of uh, focus. Right. No, just,
2: yeah. and it could just be the, like their intentions at the time towards you too. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And so. it, it can yeah. add to the storyline. You're like, well, I, I cast this, this is what I feel. You know, you know, you can't tell their intentions, but you, you feel like you desperately need to take a bath. Like, okay. Yeah. You know, <laughs> You you may not have told me a whole lot, but you've added to my sense of that world. (laughs) Like, that makes me picture a lot of stuff in my head without just giving me a value to to assign to somebody.
0: I like that. And I think that's where uh, older style d d falls down is the focus on the mechanics of it. And if you can focus on the narrative of it, making the narrative interesting and and saying something like like your examples you're you're making the world bigger rather than making the world smaller. Mm-hmm. If you make it bigger by saying "You have a feeling casting detect evil, and that feeling is a more subtle thing than just the red blinker is going off now,
1: yeah um. I think it's very indicative of the evolution of of tabletop overall, but specifically D anD D. That if you think of of its roots in wargaming, it makes sense that it would have very yeah you know defined structure to its rules, right? And its evolution <clears throat> from first, second, third, fourth, and fifth to storytelling that it's embraced making a lot of those rules a lot fuzzier and a little more indistinct, you know, in favor of enjoyment telling telling an overall story and not necessarily, you know, who won D and D last <laughs> Thursday, right?
0: I did. It was like killed all of you.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think we're moving in the right direction. <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah. Um I know Ben's opinion is you can move further in that direction with other games. Yeah.
2: (laughs) I mean... It's
1: true. (laughs) I think that you can move further in that direction with almost any rule set, but you should pick the rule set that inspires you in that direction and that's the one that's going to facilitate the most right that's some r- some rule sets or some content some source books you read it and you're you just your brain just kind of explodes with all these ideas and like oh, oh we could do this or do that and some rule such is like wow this is a little dry <laughs> this yep this is definitely a real book right and and if that's if that's how you, you kind of first feel about it maybe you're missing something, but maybe just put that one down and pick up a different yeah. rule book and see what that other game has to offer you. For right.
0: whatever reason, Pathfinder and 3.5 don't inspire me, but 5th edition does. Hmm. Yeah, that's weird. And I picked up Fate and I read through it, and I was like, I want to see this in action a little bit more. I want to like play hmm. a game before I run a game.
1: I think it depends on yeah. the rules and the way somebody's kind of... The way they think about things... You can take the exact same stuff and get different people. Some people are going to see each and every rule as something that is another way for them to build what they want, or another thing for them to, another tool for them to use. And some people are going to see the exact same thing as each and every rule is one more thing that fences them into that.
0: That the, the, the boxes them in. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So, and fate. I mean, the difference between D and D is, and fate is D and D is is lots of rules. Well, you use yeah. the term crunch. Yeah, crunch. It's super crunchy because there are rules for just about everything if there aren't wait six months they're going to print something and and it'll have rules for that uh whereas fate is like is a very it, yeah. loose set of rules
2: Yeah, it's very i mean at least when i deemed uh a game of it it was i was very floaty with the rules um like It leaves a lot of rules up for interpretation as far as how to use the mechanics to make it uh, fit because the whole idea is... I feel like it's it's very far and away from how you would DM a uh, D&D game because mm-hmm. you're more trying to figure out uh, what you want to do first and then what mechanics you can use to make that happen the best. Less so in D&D where it's like, I want to do this thing. Oh, there are rules for it. Right. That's, those are the rules that you use. Yeah. Um, Whereas there's like a handful of actions and fate and depending on how exactly everything's going, you know, you could describe something and it could be completely irrelevant. It could be solely narrative and not even have any impact on the mechanics. Or you can describe something that falls into multiple you know, you could use multiple mechanics for it. You can; it could be something that creates an advantage, or it could be an attack. Um, uh, so it, it could even be it could even be something that becomes more permanent than what the you would expect the rules to normally allow. So at some points, it's it's a hu- it can be a huge trade off because, like you, as a DM, you don't want to be unfair. Um, to the players. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of the downfall of it is it, when compared to more crunchy rule systems like D&D where like everybody's on the same page these are oh, the rules yeah. like like
0: you can't make this game unfair. Oh. Uh, so you're going to run into balance issues if keep people give a crap about balance. Yeah. But <coughs> usually when you're running a game of fate like it's about storytelling it's not yeah. about you're uh, not really concerned about <coughs> balance. Yeah. It's like it is even more of a game where saying I won fate is like, it's more ridiculous to say that than I won D&D. Yeah, exactly.
2: <laughs> and I mean, and I think that the most fun D&D games that I've played are where, you know, the players in the DM aren't fighting against one another where yeah. it's more <clears throat> collaborative. I mean, you should make you should make NPCs that the players hate. That's, no, that's yeah. how you make them the most memorable, but um, you shouldn't as a dm be the one that's like yes i killed you yes you (laughs) got yes that boulder rolled over you just like i (laughs) planned um yeah i mean that's i i i don't think i've ever enjoyed
0: a game where a dm was out to get me i don't think i've ever played a game where the dm was oh no the first game i ever played we all thought the dm was out to get us but we were really just you know middle schoolers who didn't know any better and then we all died because we killed one another, not because the DM killed us.
2: That's why I'm afraid to ever play a game where Robert is the DM because I feel really? like I feel like he would he would want to murder me. <laughs> For the reference, ben, Robert Ryan, is Ben's boss. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like the way that he talks about uh, games that he's he's DM'd, uh, I feel like that's a dangerous situation.
1: I a little sparkle in my eye when I talk about.
2: Uh, yeah, you get you get real happy about murdering PCs.
1: <laughs> a try, hasn't happened yet.
0: Come have close. you never?
1: Have you never killed a no, PC? Never have. have. Are we talking about alignment anymore?
0: Nope. <laughs> okay. I'm a little bit. Well,
1: <laughs> Not in game. Let me talking about my real life life. Oh, point, really? But, um, yeah, and I think that the the that kind of crunchy versus more storytelling, depending on who you're talking to, lends itself more to beginner players or more advanced players. And for me, and everybody's different. But for me, it seems like people who are just now starting out. The rules help kind of stand them up as they get kind of get their footing and mm-hmm. playing tabletop RPGs, right? Whereas somebody's more advanced, Ben is a perfect example. Ben has a lot of experience playing tabletop. Um, he's more comfortable embracing that storytelling side because he doesn't need the rules to kind of guide him into into what to do, right?
2: Also, I'll be I'll be perfectly honest and say part of the appeal with Fate is I didn't have to remember a whole lot of rules. And <laughs> right. It required very little prep. Like I came up
0: with a lot on the fly. The truth comes out. <laughs> now, now, I, now I feel like I'm uh, an inadequate DM beyond D and D because I read through the Fate rule book and I was like oh, I don't know how to run. There's so many rules. <laughs> I mean, just watch watch somebody else play it. I just think that's come the up
2: with a basic plot and everything else you fill in as you go. Yeah, but then I I can't spend, like, 40 hours prepping for that. Well, and and, and in D&D, you have to, you know, it can be an ordeal just to make, like, a certain NPC the way you want it. In Fate, you just write down, like, plus two to this, plus two to this, I'm done.
1: Right. And, like, for me, I enjoy sitting down there and spending two hours putting a character together. I really like
0: that part. That's work for me. I don't like that. (laughs)
1: It's one of my favorite parts.
0: But, I, you know, I, I love doing the prep work, but I love actually playing more yeah. so if I could trade off and do more playing and less prep I would, I've, I would choose I've that
1: caught myself every once in a while like in the middle of a game coming up with a character concept like, Oh, I can't wait to get home and do this <sighs> like you're playing a game, <laughs> and then like oh no wait that's the point like, hey, <laughs> like, you have spent too much
0: time sitting at home rolling up characters haven't you a
1: little bit, yeah.
0: <laughs> okay, well, we're all playing on Saturday, and if it isn't an absolute bore... Uh, oh, and and we're testing out um, it being an actual play. So if it isn't an absolute absolute bore, we may post that as well. Yeah. And if
1: it is, we, we may <clears throat> still post it. Yeah, sorry, because <laughs>
0: content is content, and uh, <laughs> in the podcast world, content is king.
1: <laughs> all right. Thank you, Ben. Thank you, Eric.
0: Thank mm-hmm. you. Our next discussion topic is still up in the air. If you'd like to reach out to us and suggest a topic, you can do so on Twitter at dungeon underscore tangent, or go to our website, dungeonsandtangents.net. That's all for this episode. Thanks for joining us.